his bank, a ceremonial foundation stone upon which he knows he will build a future of unparalleled success. A sprinkling of applause, like water pouring from a jug, breaks into his thoughts. A hand on his elbow steers him towards the microphone. Fireflies flash. He hears his own voice, strange and metallic through distant speakers, words he has learned by heart, and he cannot help but notice that the trench below him is rapidly filling with water, thick brown water like chocolate, boiling in the rain. More applause, and he steps forward from the cover of the awning onto a small square projecting platform, a Chinese at his right hand holding an umbrella above his head, beaded curtains of water tumbling around him. He takes the lever in his hand, and with a sense of absolute control of his own destiny, draws it down. All faces lift expectantly towards the hopper. For a moment, it seems, everyone is holding their breath. Only the tattoo of rain on canvas invades the sense of expectation. The American feels something shift beneath his feet. There is a loud crack, then a strange groaning like the rattle of a dying man's last breath. The struts supporting the boards of his tiny platform give way as the walls of the trench below collapse inwards. He turns, clutching in fear at the sleeve of the arm holding the umbrella, but already he is pitching forward through the curtain of rain. The sensation of falling through space seems to last an eternity. His own scream sounds disconnected and distant, and then the shock of cold liquid mud takes his breath away. The whole world appears to be falling in around him as his flailing arms endeavour to prevent him from being sucked under. He sees an arm reaching out towards him and thinks, Thank God! He clutches the hand and feels its flesh oozing between his fingers, but he has no time to consider this. He pulls hard to try to haul himself from the mud, but the outstretched arm offers no resistance, and as he falls back again, he realises that it is not attached to anything. He lets go immediately, repulsed and uncomprehending. He can hear voices shouting above him as he flips over in time to see a woman's breasts emerging from a wall of mud, followed by her shoulders and belly, but no arms, no legs, no head. His own arms windmilling in panic, he kicks away again, only to find himself staring into a face with black holes where the eyes should be, long, dark hair smeared across decaying flesh. He feels bile rising in his throat with his scream, and as he looks upward in a desperate appeal for help, he sees again the standing stones rising over him in the mist. Only now he sees them quite differently clustered together like headstones in a cemetery. Chapter 1 1 The cold, dry earth rattled across the lid of the coffin as it left her mother's hand. Margaret, too, stooped to lift a handful and felt the frosty dirt stick to her skin. She let it fall from her fingers into her father's grave and lifted her eyes to a putery sky. The first snow of winter fluttered on the edge of an icy wind that blew in across the distant lake, and she shivered, pulling her coat tight around herself to contain her grief. She turned away from the handful of mourners at the graveside, a few relatives and friends, a representative from the university, some old students of her father. There was something primitive about the ritual of burial that seemed somehow absurd to Margaret, placing a person in a wooden box in the ground and leaving them to rot, she had seen enough bodies in various states of decomposition to have decided long ago that when her turn came, she would be cremated. 
It was simpler, cleaner, more final somehow. She knew the stages of decay that the body they had buried would undergo, and she did not want to think of her father like that. The wind rattled the branches of the empty trees, stark in their winter nakedness. The last leaves of fall lay rotting on the ground, silver-edged by the previous night's frost. Somewhere, away to their left among the rows of tombstones she knew, lay the graves of famous gangsters from the city's colourful past. Alphonse Capone and his father and mother, the infamous John May and his wife Hattie, machine-gun Jack McGurn, Antonio the Scourge Lombardo, and dozens more Italian immigrants and their descendants who had helped sow the seeds of America's organised crime in this windy place. Her father had kept better company in life. But his family had all been buried here at Mount Carmel, to the west of Chicago, a ragtag bunch of understanding.